Hello and welcome. I hope you've had a great week. And if you listened last week, you heard me express eager anticipation for God doing something truly significant on or near Pentecost, which was May 23rd. And since I have to record my podcasts in advance, I've waited as long as I possibly could to submit this recorded show so that I'd hopefully have some chance of at least partly addressing whatever God might do. So as I was contemplating what I would start with for this particular episode, I thought about how many people are living in fear and dread with limited understanding of what God has been doing in our midst. Consistent with last week, many people are focused on the destruction of the devil instead of the intervening work of God. I hope this edition of Faith to Live By gives you the wisdom and insight you need to live in faith instead of fear, especially in the days ahead. Prophetically speaking, I believe there are still many events that will occur that could cause us to react in fear. But armed with knowledge ahead of time, we can be equipped to instead respond with faith. I have repeatedly said we're living in great and terrible times. I believe these present times will be great for those who are in right standing with God and terrible for those who are not. This has been a year of God exposing evil and corruption wherever it exists because this is the year we'll hear the mighty hand of God assertively strike his gavel of justice. At the same time, we'll also see God's reward to those who have lived justly. I'm Pam Christian, your host of this weekly podcast, where I seek to help people discover truth, discern the times, and appropriate their faith to experience the victories over life's adversities that Christ died to give us. I'm all about exposing the lies, revealing the truth, and empowering the faithful. So if you or anyone you know needs solid truth to help you possess a confident faith that produces results, my podcast and my blog, my articles, my books, in fact, everything I do is to help you to that end. With this episode, I want to consider and decipher current events, especially in light of prophetic declarations that have been made about this year and the decade that we are in, because we need to be armed with knowledge to respond in faith, especially in the great and terrible days to come. As I was prayerfully seeking the Lord to guide me with this podcast, this particular phrase crossed my mind. The phrase was, God is never on defense. Now that's an interesting phrase, and it's definitely worth pondering. God is never on defense. And while trying to get the fullness of the meaning, I started to think about football or basketball. So I think that's a good reference here. The team that has the ball has the offense. The team that doesn't have the ball is on the defense. The offensive team has the opportunity to score points, but the defensive team works to prevent the offensive team from scoring. So in this analogy of God never being on the defense, I'm saying He's got the ball at all times. It may seem like the devil is scoring points from time to time, but God has possession of the ball. The enemy may even use other balls and attempt to score, but God has the official ball and complete control of the game. I suspect you've heard the adage, the best defense is a good offense. Well, I just recently learned that that statement is typically associated with military combat, and only more recently has it been used in reference to sports. The adage was first stated by George Washington in 1799. According to an article titled, For Crisis Recovery, the Best Defense is a Good Offense, I learned George Washington said, quote, Offensive operations oftentimes are the surest, if not the only means of defense, end quote. In the midst of the current global crisis that we have, and there are many of them, it may seem that defense is the best choice, you know, hunkering down, waiting it out following the guidelines and mandates of government and so-called science experts. But is it 
Is defense really the best response? In keeping with the idea of combat and war, we know we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, a battle of good, which is God, of course, and evil, which is Satan. So wouldn't it then be worth considering if we cooperate with the defense, we are actually cooperating with the devil. If we respond in a defensive posture when God has the ball, aren't we on the other team? While many people today are asking, where is God in all that we've suffered this year? As I've said before, I firmly believe God is asking, where are my people? You know, God can snap his fingers and change circumstances in an instant, but history reveals he by and large works through his people. God creates each human and assigns to them the point on the earth's timeline when they will live. God has uniquely gifted us and called each of us to our unique purpose, which is to work in partnership with God with his plan to redeem the world and ultimately expose all the evil to be eternally judged and condemned at some point in the future. Along the way, however, God has intervened in the affairs of the world when evil has escalated and his people have failed to do their part. And I believe we're in such a time. In this year of 2021, we have seen the greatest increase in exposure of evil ever in our lifetime. And I believe God is allowing this for a couple of reasons. One is to open the eyes of as many people as possible to the reality of God and Satan and for them to choose whom they will serve. And number two, to set the stage to judge evil and reward the just. This is a year that is both great and terrible, depending on who people choose to serve. Those of us who belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ need to get engaged with what God is doing intentionally and deliberately. If we don't, by default, we will be aiding and abetting the enemy of God. Many people have the mindset that the devil and God are equal in power. And if that were true, the ancient battle between good and evil would be just duking it out without ever ending. Let's focus on the truth that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is none like him. In addition, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere present at once. And God is all-knowing or omniscient. The devil does not have power equal to God. He is not capable of being everywhere at once. And therefore, he relies on his minions and people he ensnares. Neither is the enemy all-knowing. These three attributes are unique to God. Omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. The power the devil has in and of himself is puny. Truly, the devil's power is puny and limited. In reality, the enemy only has as much power as we give him. When we succumb to the enemy's tactics, we empower him. If the enemy is successful in causing us to be fearful, we empower him. If the enemy is successful in causing us to doubt, we empower the enemy. If the enemy is successful in tempting us to sin, we empower the enemy. Satan has very little power of his own. What he draws on is the collective power he can gain from others. And in our day and time, there are many people who have openly been cooperating with Satan. Many celebrities have been openly declaring their allegiance to Satan, and this is evidenced with signs and symbols of the Illuminati and Satan worship. Derek Prince, author and lecturer, explained in his book, titled Blessing or Curse, You Can Choose, Freedom from Pressures You Thought You Had to Live With. He explained in that book that the two strongest cravings of human nature are the desire for knowledge and the desire for power. Isn't that what appealed to Adam and Eve when tempted by the devil in the garden? Wasn't it the desire for knowledge and the desire for power? Derek states, quote, There are actually only two available sources of supernatural knowledge and power in the universe, either God or Satan. Since God's kingdom is the kingdom of light, 
his servants know whom they are serving and what they are doing. On the other hand, since Satan's kingdom is a kingdom of darkness, most of those in his kingdom do not know the true identity of the one whom they are serving and the true nature of what they are doing. End quote. It's important for us to understand the first two of the Ten Commandments warn us against having any other God before the one true God and also not to worship any idol. So when people who are caught up in the pursuit of knowledge and power in ways that are not from God, they are seeking supernatural from Satan. In so doing, they are acknowledging Satan as a God besides the one true God. And this is viewed by God as spiritual adultery which in the Bible clearly is condemned and declared to be an even greater sin than physical adultery. If this sounds too far-fetched to you, I ask you to look around on our world today. What do you see? Don't you see people openly and forcefully trying to manipulate, intimidate, and dominate? This is an attempt to control people and circumstances. That's demonic. What about the effort by so-called world leaders to impose fear through the COVID virus? We've suffered many illegal mandates that have actually imposed upon our rights and our freedoms, yet the enemy has been tremendously successful. And like sheep, we've all been led astray. Wearing of masks, lockdowns, closing up our businesses, loss of livelihoods, children being isolated and not allowed to go to school, intimidation to accept the vaccination, even though it's only experimental and the FDA says it can only be administered to people who are properly informed about the potential harms, who voluntarily take it. I'll have a link for you to the FDA's own words to that effect in the show notes. In the beginning of the COVID panic, understandably, we all wanted to dutifully help prevent the spread of anything that could increase suffering, sickness, and death. But over time, as the enemy of God working through people in positions of power and authority continued to oppress us and oppress us and oppress us further, and by hearing contrary reports, we were made aware our eyes began to be opened to the truth, which is God's plan for these very days. As the enemy works harder to oppress us, God, by contrast, is showing us the truth. As Derek Prince wrote, whenever we see people use verbal or nonverbal tactics to manipulate, intimidate, and dominate in attempt to control people and circumstances, witchcraft is at work, end quote. What will take us out of fear and into faith and allow us to stand up for righteousness is knowledge, truth, the very truth that big tech has been working overtime to censor in effort to keep us in the dark. Well, I'm here, among others, to help us gain the knowledge and the victory we desperately need today. Listen to what Don Stewart wrote in this article titled, What is the Extent of Satan's Power? Quote, it is very important to understand who our adversary the devil is and what he is able to do. We must be careful not to attribute to him abilities and honors that belong to God and him alone. The Bible says the following about the limitations of the devil. Then the author goes on and he lists about 14 specific limitations of the enemy, and I won't go through them all, but there will be a link in the show notes. These are the ones that impress me the most. Number one, Satan is not the opposite of God. Though he would like people to think so, he's not the opposite of God. God is all-powerful, everywhere present, and all-knowing. Satan is none of these. He does not have unlimited power. He cannot be everywhere at once, and he does not know everything. He is created as a limited being. He depends upon God for his existence. Number three on the author's list, Satan cannot tempt without God's permission. Satan was unable to tempt Jesus without the permission of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 4.1 explains, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
he also could not tempt Job without God's permission. Job 1.12 reads, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Number five on the list, Satan cannot physically harm without God's permission. When Satan wanted to physically harm Job, he had to first ask God's permission. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, Skin for skin, all that people have they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, he is in your power. And we read that in Job 2, verses 2 to 6. Number 9 on the author's list, Satan cannot force believers to do anything. In addition, Satan has no power unless it be granted him by God. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ had been freed from the authority of the devil. In Acts 26, verse 18, we read God sent the Apostle Paul with the instruction to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Satan, therefore, has no authority over the believer. And number 10 on the author's list, Satan cannot read our thoughts. Because he is a created being, Satan cannot read our thoughts. He is not all-knowing like the Lord. It is God alone that knows everything, including our thoughts. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 explains, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And Kings chapter 8 verse 39 reads, then here in heaven your dwelling place, forgive, act, and render to all whose hearts you know, according to all their ways, for only you know what is in every human heart. Then in Psalm 94:11 we read, The Lord knows our thoughts. Jesus, who is Lord, also knew the people's thoughts, as Matthew 9:4 states. This is where we read, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil is in your hearts? And the number 13 on the author's list is, Satan is a coward. In spite of all of his bluster and rage, he is a coward. The Bible says, Be subject therefore unto God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. Scripture says that believers are ultimately victorious, but thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and makes manifest through us the savor of his knowledge in every place. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And the author finishes with this summary. Without God's permission, Satan is not able to do anything. He cannot create or search the human heart. Therefore, the conflict between God and Satan is not really a struggle between two great equal and opposing powers with the outcome still in doubt. All power and authority belongs to God and him alone. End quote. Grant Agler wrote, quote, It may be hard to hear, but God allows Satan to exist to test our faith. God uses him unwittingly, to fulfill God's purpose. Satan is pure evil, John 8:44, and eventually he will meet his eternal demise, Revelation 20:10. However, as long as we are living in this world, God allows him to exist for a reason. The good news is, if we have put our faith in Christ, God promises all the tools we will need to stand against Satan. And then, as John Piper wrote, 
God has ordained that Satan have a long leash with God holding on to it because he knows that when we walk in and out of those temptations, struggling both with the physical and the moral effects that they bring, more of God's glory will shine in that battle than if he took Satan out yesterday, end quote. Even with all this explained, you still might wonder, why does God allow the enemy to continue to wreak havoc on humanity? Well, there are many reasons, and all are for the ultimate good. The main points to consider are the following. God has an explicit plan for specific individuals to be born upon the earth. Many are yet to be born. God has a specific plan for the beginning and the end of the earth and all creation. When a person chooses to repent and receive God's offer of redemption, God's glory is made even more manifest because of the choice for good over evil. And lastly, when God's people overcome temptation, God is glorified and we are better equipped to do even greater good for God on the earth to ultimately accomplish God's will, and then the end will come. The problem of a good God allowing evil to continue is a powerful dilemma and a stumbling block for many people. But let's make sure we understand what we're able to understand. It was the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, who were responsible for allowing sin and suffering to enter into the perfect world God created. God could have completely scrapped his plan for humanity the moment Adam and Eve confessed, but his love wouldn't allow him. His love for every human being he has planned to be created would not allow him to wipe out humanity. Instead, God allows Satan to continue as a means of revelation, demonstrating what is good and what is bad. God ordains suffering to judge the wicked. God ordains suffering to discipline his children. God ordains suffering for our growth. God accomplishes good through evil and suffering. God has an answer to evil and suffering. And a good booklet available online that you might want to read is titled, Why Does God Allow Satan to Live? I'll have a link for you in the show notes. And in these days, since the announcement of COVID, we have seen God reveal evil and corruption wherever it exists. He is setting the stage for his judgment. And as I've said before, I believe we're in the early parts of the last days, the time of the birthing pains. Last week, I shared how much fun it is for me whenever I've prayerfully spent time with the Lord to understand a matter and come to a conclusion. And then later, I run across others who've been led by the Lord to arrive at the same conclusion. I just love it when that happens. And I recently ran across a prophecy for this year, 2021, where the writer referred to this year as a tumultuous beginning and a triumphant ending. Well, that's exactly what the Lord has been showing me and I've been expressing through these podcasts. You may know that late 2019, we entered the Hebrew year 5780, which is actually the first year of the decade of the 80s, which is also the decade of the mouth. Well, I've been expressing the importance of us using our mouths to decree and declare God's will and see God intervene to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. However, with the enemy's influence over many, we've been forced to wear masks and even our speech has been muzzled with government imposed restrictions and big tech censorship and also with unconstitutional and biased efforts to prevent Christians from even meeting in their churches. It's been horrible oppression. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in Canada, a pastor by the name of James Coate, he pastors Grace Life Church in Alberta, Canada, was arrested for allowing his congregation to continue to meet. A judge has recently ruled the pastor will remain in jail until later this year for violating public health orders, which in Canada is covered under the criminal code. We must pray for that pastor. 
The decade of 5780, which is 2020, through 5789, 2029, will indeed be both triumphant and tumultuous, great and terrible at the same time. Based on who you have aligned yourself with, you will either experience judgment or reward in this decade. This is an extended season where God's laws of sowing and reaping will be realized, and rather quickly. I and many other prophets and teachers have likened these times to that of the first Passover of Exodus because we are being led by God out of the years of bondage. A member of an organization known as Missionaries of Prayer posted an article titled Prophetic Word 5781, which is the year 2021, Tumultuous Beginnings, Triumphant Ending. And what this person wrote is, quote, There's going to be two opposing realities happening at the same time. The whirlwind of God is going to uproot the evil, and the same whirlwind will be used to plant God's people in righteousness. The same fire that will be sent to burn up evil is the same fire being used to purify God's people. The water that will be sent to wash away all evil will be the same water used to replenish and refresh God's people. Duality will characterize much of this decade. Those who are faithful to the Lord and keep themselves pure and in His presence will not ever taste or see any of the turmoil touch them or their families. While elsewhere, it will be mayhem and chaos. You must remember that the Israelites lived through all ten plagues. They had to go through the plagues, but they were not impacted or affected by them. It will be the same for the ones who are walking in purity of heart before the Lord. None of what is happening as God deals with evil will touch them. They will know of it, but never experience it. It will come right next door to their house, but not in their house. God is going to protect and keep his people through all of this. Look at what the Lord said the Israelites would experience while the plagues were being sent into Egypt. I see two lines forming in the Spirit. One is for judgment, and the other is for blessing. The lines are for justified repayment. Repentance moves you from one line, the line of judgment, into the line of blessing. God is moving people from one line to the next as they respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit for their sin, end quote. You know, in recent weeks, I've shared the importance of using these very days to make certain we are right with God, that there's no wicked way in us. These are the days of grace, extra grace from God. As he's been exposing corruption, he's opening the eyes of many people, giving us all yet another opportunity to determine who we want to serve. We need to be praying for those who are not in relationship with God to realize their extremely dangerous position and to repent and be restored to God before there's no further opportunity for them to do so. In summary of the article and what I've been receiving from the Lord, I want to offer the following. Number one, God says not to run ahead of him, but to wait for his timing because this is a season for repayment. Number two, you will need to know when you must speak up and when to remain silent. Three, we are in a harvest season for souls, so there's going to be a major church growth. Four, there is a present famine in the world, a famine of truth and for the word of God. The church has gone so far off course that God is correcting us. Our mission to disciple people must be restored so people will receive the balanced gospel with regard to judgment and blessing and keeping Jesus the main focus. Five, this is the year of justified repayment. All will reap what they have sown. Six, this is a year of exposing corruption, separating the sheep from the goats, the false prophets and teachers from the genuine. More false prophets will attempt to rise up, but God will do another shaking to get rid of them. Number seven, a return to the fear of the Lord will be seen in the world beginning this year. Eight, this will be a year of supernatural restoration. If you have suffered loss this past year, expect restoration. Number nine, 
This will be the year of revival and reformation as the beginning of the great harvest of souls, the billion-soul harvest prophesied by Bob Jones, will be realized. And number 10, the enemy will not give up easily. The enemy will raise up again, perhaps even as we enter 2022. We will win battles and have times of reprieve only to be faced with the enemy again, but take heart because in the end we win. I sincerely appreciate the work that's done by the members of the Missionaries of Prayer, and I suggest you look in the show notes to find their link and visit their site. As I said in the beginning of this podcast, God is never on the defense. He has the ball, and he's leading us to victory. Now let me leave you with this story shared by the much-missed American radio broadcaster who passed away in February 2009. His name was Paul Harvey. If I were the devil, I would gain control of the most powerful nation in the world. I would delude their minds into thinking that they had come from man's efforts instead of God's blessings. I would promote an attitude of loving things and using people instead of the other way around. I would dupe entire states into relying on gambling for their state revenue. I would convince people that character is not an issue when it comes to leadership. I would make it legal to take the lives of unborn babies. I would make it socially acceptable to take one's own life and invent machines to make it convenient. I would cheapen human life as much as possible so that the life of animals are valued more than human beings. I would take God out of the schools where even the mention of his name was grounds for a lawsuit. I would come up with drugs that sedate the mind and target the young, and I would get sports heroes to advertise them. I would get control of the media so that every night I could pollute the mind of every family member for my agenda. I would attack the family, the backbone of any nation. I would make divorce acceptable and easy, even fashionable. If the family crumbles, so does the nation. I would compel people to express their most depraved fantasies on canvas and movie screens, and I would call it art. I would convince the world that people are born homosexuals and their lifestyles should be accepted and marveled. I would convince people that right and wrong are determined by a few who call themselves authorities and refer to their agenda as politically correct. I would persuade people that the church is irrelevant and out of date and the Bible is for the naive. I would dull the minds of Christians and make them believe that prayer is not important and that faithfulness and obedience are optional. I guess... I would leave things pretty much the way they are. End quote. Again, the enemy only has as much power and authority as we give him. Knowing these are days of tremendous grace from God, allowing us to realize truth and to repent, let's seek the Lord to not only ask for forgiveness, but learn what each one of us must do in partnership with him to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Believing we are living in days where we will see God intervene in greater measure than ever before, I'll continue helping us discern what God's doing on earth in the present days with the podcast that I'll bring you next week. But in keeping with the theme of today's podcast, I highly recommend my book, Prepare for the Harvest, God's Challenge to the Church Today. If you use the promo code TRUTH, capital T-R-U-T-H, at checkout on my website, you'll receive a 20% discount, and I'll even autograph the book for you if you'd like. If you've been blessed by my ministry work, I need you to let me know. You know, I've often asked you to contact me because I really want to hear from you. And especially now that I'm faced with the um, opportunity to renew my podcast, I really would like to know if I'm helping you. I welcome your encouragement and support. And one of the newest ways that you can help is to get my new bumper stickers. They're beautiful red, white, and blue vinyl stickers that read, Make America Godly Again. They're available for $5 each. 
And I'd love to see you get several of them to give away. Wouldn't it be great to see these bumper stickers all over your community? I'm looking forward to seeing more in mine. Well, in addition to your support with the bumper stickers, you can also take advantage of the many goods and services I bring from my sponsors and my partners, which you'll find on my faithtoliveby.com page. One of my sponsors is Ed Torres, who can help you with your future financial goals. Ask Ed Torres, a team member with the financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, about the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach to see if you're prepared for your financial future. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, understands your goals and they provide personalized advice to help you reach them. Call Edward Torres at 949-250-3210. Office is located at 2600 Michelson Drive, Suite 1460, Irvine, California, 92612. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment, advisory products, and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor, Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. You don't have to be in California to consider working with Ed. They're licensed in many states, so I'll have a link to his website in the show notes, and I encourage you to contact him for a free consultation. He is my husband's and my personal financial advisor and a wonderful Christian man that we highly recommend. Also, consider becoming a subscriber to my bi-monthly e-newsletter, which will make you a preferred member where you'll receive special announcements and offers that are not available to others. With so much going on every day, let's also connect on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. Be sure to take advantage of the free resources and the bonus items listed on Charisma Podcast Network and also on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there's a link and more information about my sponsors and partners. Again, if you've been blessed by my ministry, purchasing the goods and services I bring you is one way you can show your support, and it would be greatly appreciated. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. Your review helps the show reach more people and, of course, spread the gospel, and it helps people learn how to better apply their Christian faith. Also, depending on the platform where you listen, why not subscribe to this podcast so you're sure not to miss a single edition? I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.